Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. It's hip-hop, blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into. 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you. You're with Music Sans Frontieres, music from around Australia and around the world. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. You're listening to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM. Music matters on 3CR, 12 noon every Friday. Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call 9419 Said the front, said the front tyre to the rear. Follow me, I'll lead, my dear. Round and round we'll roll together, because when you push, I steer better. If miles from here the road's not fair, we'll just let out a little air. I will not shimmy, I will stay true. That is the promise I make to you. At dusk, to emphasise our genders, we'll slip into some silver fenders. Your tread is slick, your spokes are fine. You'll always be my valentine. Take a breath. Step away from the bike. You're listening to the 3CR Yarrabug Radio Show. Here at 855 on their AM dial, podking, podcasting, streaming, or listening to the tranny in the backyard. Many thanks to Amy Goodman for Democracy Now. We've got a big show coming up, a bit of law and order, and then a... Sorry. (laughs) And then a, a close and detailed look at why things hurt when you ride a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, back on the tandem again, Faith. Good morning. Good morning, Val. And good morning, Kat. Good morning. Kat's here to help us with all those aches and pains. And if you don't get immediate resolution after this half-hour show, (laughs) (laughs) we're not making any promises. No pressure. (laughs) I think that's probably part of the problem, isn't it, Kat? A lot of times... Pressure. Yeah. pressure. <laughs> Too much pressure. Uh, let's move on to that lovely moment of the bike moment. Faith? Oh, mine's quite simple. This morning riding here, oh, as it often is, um, stopped at the lights and some dude rolled up on his bike and didn't take much notice, you know, had the kid's seat on the back and that. But then I noticed he was checking out my bike, so I thought, yeah, why is he doing that? So I looked at his bike and realised we're both on mixties. And but aside from the kids' seat, he had quite a nice little setup and with a little one of those little pallet made racks at the front. And ah. Yeah. So, yeah. and then we both took off. There it's we great. go. It's a great design. 
Yeah. Still keeps going. I'm yeah. sorry. I've got an ongoing love affair with Mixies. It's a bit of a problem. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very lucky. I recently returned from Italy and riding the Stelvio, phenomenal mountain that it is, and approaching the top and hitting the snow walls right by the side and the, the just dramatic scenery. And then on the absolute high of conquering that mountain, deciding to <laughs> ride Piccolo Stelvio <laughs> and halfway up that really regretting my decision. When all the endorphins had run out. Yes, they <laughs> ran out for sure. <laughs> uh, I could... Um, Two, two very quick ones, if I can. I love the, especially it happens in winter a bit. Well, one thing is all the elm trees are leaving their leaves and Melbourne streets are starting to take mm. on that. Anyway, um, and when you ride past somebody, either a pedestrian going across the road and you get that whiff of perfume or that personal odour as you ride past. <laughs> so I shouldn't have said that. I know that. Turned the whole thing it. right around, yeah. Pal. Well, that's probably part of it, actually. I was thinking about it the other day. And then I rode past somebody jumping out of the car just in Albert Street down here. And that awful whiff of the male fragrances named after a big dead cat, I presume, <laughs> or something like that. It is just, oh, thank God it was so quick. Anyway, I did have a very enlightening one, and this is a little bit into a... Anyway, I'll just carry on. Um, one day a week I teach... Um, people on community correction orders, how to fix bikes. And sometimes people are there for, you know, can be there for six months or so. Some people just do their time and get along with it. Other people, sometimes it makes a bit of a change in them. And a bloke who'd done uh, a few hours, we were having a chat at one of the breaks the other day, and he was telling me the story that he'd been a a little bit depressed, wasn't getting out of the house or anything, and the sort of program started to make him think about things. But the thing he said to me was, that struck me was, that actually he liked the idea that the bicycle was a structure and you had to stay within that structure to get something done. He found that idea that you just couldn't... It's not like Lego blocks, you can build what you want. There was a constraint that actually make you make things work. So and I thought, shit, that's a good bike. That's a good bike moment. Somebody's going to ring That's up a good insight. It, it, very, an insight yeah. that I wouldn't, um, and I shouldn't say that he's typical of the program. He's a bit of a one-off in that, he, yeah. a good nature and stuff like that. But interesting that he saw that bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, bikes, many, many, many things. To Miracle do with machines. Bikes. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. How fast can I drive my car in the CBD and along the major bike routes? Bicycle Network has slowly got on the program as far as bicycle infrastructure in Australia. Welcome along to the Lobby Group's Bicycle Network. It's about time <laughs> you came along to the board. 30 kilometres. Let's get it done. Couldn't be happier. Well, it's an interesting development. I think um, 40 kilometres is the most efficient speed for moving traffic. So a lot of the time that's sold to the public as a safety thing, but generally Vic Roads and organisations like that are into 40 kilometres because you can fit the most vehicles on the road if they're moving at 40 kilometres per hour. Um, 30, you do get massive safety benefits with 40 for pedestrians and cyclists and the occupants of cars. If a car runs into each another car at 40 k's, there's yeah. going to be a lot less damage than if they're doing 60. Um but 30 is where you get to see massive benefits in terms of uh, injuries and deaths. So, in fact, you'll, you'll get almost no deaths. 
and the injuries are much less catastrophic for everyone, car occupants, pedestrians and cyclists. So, Win-win. The um, of course, all on most of the side roads, all the alternative routes that a lot of cyclists take are local roads. Mm. So a lot of that's and most councils are forty kilometres on local roads. I'm sh- Yarra is trying a thirty bit, kilometre thirty kilometre yep. block for a whole <clears throat> block of uh, North Fitzroy. Yep. So it will always be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Mm. Great for residents too. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and also news from the CBD is the City of Melbourne have announced they're going to be publicly naming and shaming people who park in bike lanes. And I think they're referring to those ones that are uh, bike lanes during peak hour. But not, yeah. you know. Um, and they will be focusing on businesses. Um, so, you know, if you're happy and proud to park your business vehicle with its name and logo in a a bike lane. I guess you can't really complain about that. Um, But what I thought was really interesting during that uh, story when I saw it is there is actually a page on the city of Melbourne where you can report a car parked in a bike lane. So um, you can do that. You would have to legally, you would have to pull over, take a photo um, and then when you get to your destination, you can upload that and that will give you a timestamp, the make and model of the car, the registration number and the colour. And that's what the website asks for. So we'll post a link to that page on City of Melbourne City Council's website with the podcast because it's pretty deeply buried. Or you could have a look on the site and just search under um, vehicle parking infringements, I think it was under. <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> um, Tour de France kicks off next week. Yep. I've said. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Chris yep. Froome only um, not many won three in a row, so that's Miguel and Duran, Luson Bobet, our famous French hero, and Sharks Acatel. You know, one thing I did notice that I disappoints me personally. Yep. SBS in their advertising, uh. it's suddenly become all about barracking for Australians. Uh. Like, that was nice about the Tour de France, that we didn't get that really nationalistic. But it's all about supporting the Aussies. G- supporting the Aussies. Yeah. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know. Can we stop we punching him over our weight for a little while at some <laughs> stage? Oh, I'm glad you didn't. You know what we should that. do? We should get Kat back in after the Tour de France to comment on everyone's <laughs> <laughs> bike position. There are some interesting fits getting around in the yeah. There are. Now, we're going to be back with how to get that. Can I just sneak one more thing? Of course in? you can. Because I thought we, we should give credit to where, yeah. you know, Vic Rhodes have with their new CEO a slight change in tenor about cyclists over the last 18 months, I think. Yep. Uh, There's a campaign you may have seen going on at the moment where uh, certainly on Facebook there's been a lot of uh, promotion of rules affecting cyclists and the one that they've chosen to promote is the rule that says cyclists not only is it legal for them to ride in pairs uh, but it's safer to do so. And I've also noticed on some trams uh, signs about advising people cyclists are allowed to do a hook turn at any intersection. So that was good to see, some positive reinforcement um, from Vic Roads. And this will be a change that will come generational and with more people going on study tours and, you know, getting a better idea of it. 
And if you go online and do the brick roads practice test the, for the license, what I noticed is that suddenly it includes a lot more of the laws that affect pedestrians and cyclists. So no. things that probably hadn't filtered up to this must be tested. You're expected to know them, but no one, I don't think, has ever bothered to test them. But, um, yeah, so that's... Uh, yeah. And I would think, um, you know, that's a um, response. Over the last five or six years, we've had some wildly skewed pedestrian death numbers, mm. you know, that have mm. gone up and down a matter of 20 30% a year variation from one to the other, yeah. especially the pedestrian death. We'll be back just after this quick message. Has your subscription lapsed? We want you back. Spend more than the evening with us. Reunite with us. Subscribe to 3CR and get excited. Call 9419 8377 or donate online, 3cr.org.au. And let's get back together. It'll feel so good. And you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. Our studio guest today is Kat Carter from Rehub Studios. Kat's uh, an athlete who's... Uh, <laughs> um, Background is in sporting pursuits, specifically nowadays cycling. Absolutely. And uh, is also a physiotherapist. So the perfect person, I thought, to give us some insight into how do we sit on our bikes so that it doesn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's It's a big question and... Everyone sits on their bike differently and every, every bike that people choose to ride is different. So there's not one answer for um, that fits all, basically. So, so is that where we talk about bike fits? Absolutely. Individual yeah. bike fits. Individual bike fit and considering it, what you want to achieve out of your cycling, what your goals are, basically. It's really important. It's about the individual. Yeah. And so if someone... Um, I guess, well, let's start at the beginning. What does happen when you sit on your bike? Well, there's three points of contact with the bike. Everyone straight away relates immediately to the saddle. You, <laughs> you feel that under your pelvis for sure. Um, and then there's the other two contact points, which are our hands and our wrists and our feet. And we power that bike through those three small points of contact. Um, and it's about where we are over those that yeah. result in a, a good, good fit. So it's a combination of the geometry of the bike? Yeah, so the geometry of the bike, is is it the right size as Mm -hmm. well? And then any limitations that your body may or may not have and also your body's um, preference, I guess, for certain muscle activation patterns. Some of us are wired to use our quads more than our glutes. It's everyone, Most cyclists have heard about their glutes. Um, And it's about addressing all those. Okay. As well. And so um, what, yeah, it's one of those things because you often see as soon as someone asks on, let's say, Facebook what um, for advice, everyone has an opinion. 
Absolutely. <laughs> it's a really highly opinionated thing. Unfortunately, the science around bike fit is not as strong as we would like it to be. It's really difficult to have a randomised control trial looking at the impact of different fits on, on an individual. They've in, in terms of the pro riders, they have ridden thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in a position. You change that potentially for the better in terms of their individual needs. However, they've done all those hours of motor programming in that other position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really complicated in terms of good design, study design. And there'd be a big difference um, between what's going to suit someone who's trained to sit on a bike for hours and hours every day and you who's probably sitting at a desk but then wants to go out and uh yeah there's a massive difference so the strength that a pro develops for example using that as the example is um so different to people who are sitting at desk with shortened hip flexors all day long and get on their bike for that lovely hopefully hour a day to enjoy the world around them it's very different yeah so what's the best way for someone to uh, approach a bike fit? Um, to go into the fit armed with having already considered what they want. So, And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is knowing what do they want to achieve from that fit in terms of, okay, I want to be able to ride my bike for an hour a day and never get off sore. Or I want to be able to go faster. Mm-hmm. Or I want to be able to feel more confident handling my bike. Or ride the stadio and then the peak goes. Yes. <laughs> or, <do. laughs> yes. or get a, get up the Gertrude Street hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> go in with go in with their goal that's meaningful to them, and be and then be able to um, go through an assessment, um, looking at any limitations their body may have or, or hopefully doesn't have. And then work through different options on the bike in mm. that studio. Can we, so if we break it down to, I mean, obviously road riders, endurance, I'm not going to say endurance riders, but somebody who rides a road bike as against somebody who, like I said, commutes five kilometres a day up Gertrude Street or somebody is on a mountain bike. They're all subtly different fits, aren't they? Oh, yeah. absolutely. So the needs of a commuter, they, they, often need to be a little bit more upright to be more aware of their surroundings. They've got a lot more unpredictable things happening around them and they need to have really good range of movement through the neck and um, sh- around the shoulders to yeah. constantly be looking around. Where if you're racing, yeah, you want to know where your opponents are. We can do a quick dive under your, your armpit to see where they are and it's a bit more predictable. Yeah. So it's quite different. The road fit is. The road fit, yeah. yeah, yeah and then absolutely. within the road fit, we've got the time trial fit yes. as well, which is different as well. Yeah, so that's when you start to move away from efficiency and more into aerodynamics as the priority because we're always trying uh, to look at comfort, efficiency and aerodynamics and find this optimum fit. In time trial, you actually start to go, well, I don't care how comfortable. Not that <laughs> we don't care, but yeah. <laughs> we, we, we start to look at, at aero. And that's why time trials are getting progressively shorter, shorter and, and shorter. shorter in Grand Tours. It's interesting. They, are, they don't have yeah. the 90 kilometre time trials anymore. Yeah. It's 15, 26, 30. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We should get off those aero topics. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um, then look at what happens if your bike doesn't fit well. What are the injuries um, that people are going – or the – not necessarily injuries, but the the pain or discomfort that people can identify as being linked to their bike fit. So it's really interesting looking at this. 
Um, I like to split it into novice riders and advanced riders because it is quite different in those two population groups. Novice riders tend to have um, obviously some saddle discomfort issues and also a lot happening through the wrists and up into the shoulders. Advanced riders, however, it's a much more um, fixed area around the knee, so the knee, and they actually even split that into anterior knee and posterior knee as separate things, and they both have a higher prevalence than low back pain. In those advanced riders, there is no risk even mentioned. Yeah, is yeah. It, and that's because they're, they're still... And holding themselves well on the bike or yeah I think it's a combination of things they've trained themselves to be able to tolerate load and accept load for longer mm-hmm. there's more stability around the shoulder girdle as they have trained the weight bearing capacity yeah. through the upper limb mm. yeah. somebody said to me a long time ago think of two wa- ways of riding a bicycle your body just draped over it. virtually your bones holding your body up and then pedaling the bicycle Think of the other way of actually my body's holding my bones together and I'm riding the bike. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I guess uh, what are the most common injuries you see coming in? Um, like? I'd, I'd say that what I see reflects what we see in that novice and advanced population. Mm-hmm. In the riders that I'm working with that are riding really regularly and even doing the the occasional race or racing on a regular basis, it's definitely that anterior knee pain and low back pain. Yeah. And in the novice riders, it's often, oh, my neck hurts and, oh, my bars are so hard. And um, they mention the saddle, but it's not usually their primary reason for being there, but it'll be, oh, yeah, and if I ride for six hours, <laughs> my body yeah. gets, well, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's um, and I guess that becomes a thing because normally you you might think you're going to see someone to fix that problem, but as long as you don't go looking at why you're, what's caused it, you you it's going to be reoccurring. For Absolutely. You. So some people can come in and say, "Oh, I've got this." Um, I've got a sore lower back when I'm riding and obviously they're then paying attention to their back and the fact that it hurts and they can tell me all about the type of pain that it feels like. It's all very helpful information and I can look at somebody off the bike and start to get some clues as to why they've got a sore back. And then when we're working on the bike, it's often, well, the reason your back hurts is because your hip can't flex far enough and Mm -hmm. everything becomes about reworking their fit around opening that hip joint up to stop them going to that limited range and they're like, but it's about my back. Yeah. And then it's about making sure I share and educate that, well, the reason this is, a, you know, our body works as a chain of events and this is this is why your back is sore. Yeah, yeah. How do yeah. we tighten up our hip <clears throat> flexors? How do we tighten them up? Oh, I, well. I know you want them loose, but how, yeah. do, how do we get to a tight spot? Um, well, looking at us uh, across our daily life, we spend a lot of time sitting in a shortened yep. hip flexor position. Uh, and then there's also um, a bit of a myth floating around that you might have heard that some people say, oh, yeah, to get a bit of extra speed, pull up on the pedal. Do not pull up on the pedal. You will, you will increase your likelihood of knee and back pain due to tight hip flexors. In the uh, mid-70s, there was a craze going around called ankling and oh, the idea yeah. that you actually mm. twist your ankle yeah. to get more 
power out of the pedals. Of course, everybody started to blow their Achilles tendons. So. Absolutely. Yes, but that lasted for. It's, I can still hear people yeah. advocating it. Now. They still they still refer to ankling. They're now talking yeah. about more of a very small range of movement. Talking about more like the five degree. Yeah. And we've also gone the other way. There's an example of a, a British cyclist who actually has a completely rigid <laughs> ankle, and that's Brad Wiggins. I mean, you look yeah, at him yeah, on the yeah. bike, and yeah. there is not any movement through that ankle, and it works for him. Yeah. And that's another issue, isn't it? Like people look at, especially what pro cyclists are doing, and they go, oh, that yeah. would be a great <laughs> idea for me. Yeah. And because, you know, I sit at a desk five days a week, and but when I go out on Saturday with my mates, Absolutely. I'm gonna, so, yeah, that leads to – and even with bike fit too, they probably look at the way people are sitting yeah, on the bike. Yeah, they, they do, and, and some, of, some of the pro peloton are very good at sharing, um, you know, their – often wacky bike fits it's yeah. what works for them and yeah. it's it's in really important that we remember it's about what works for us yeah. yeah and so i guess that's also um the with bike fit it's not a static thing is it no um so we do a component of some static assessment but it's all about the dynamic assessment yeah. and then further than that it's not once you've been fit that's it, that's it. it's a, an evolving thing our bodies change with time our bodies change with our training or just, you know, our, our riding. So it's something we should revisit annually and with every new bike purchase. New bikes. Even yeah. if you think the geometry is the same, it's not. <laughs> Kat, I wonder if we can get a couple of stretches off you that actually most cyclists <clears throat> would benefit from. Oh, yeah. Well, we've mentioned hip flexors already. Yeah, so, so how do I? Yep. Yep. So hip flexors would be one of the most valuable stretches. How do I do that? So you would come into... Um, well, it's really great to have a chair, actually. So if you yep. stand with your back to a chair, yep. place the shin on the chair, and you want to be placing this chair so that you can also hold something in front of you. Uh-huh. And you're then just going to slide. So I'm, I'm assuming you've got a chair on wheels. Yep. We're then sliding that chair away from us, and we're lunging. So the front knee is bending, uh-huh. and we're taking that chair further away from us um, behind Mm-hmm. So that results in a really nice elongation stretch of the hip flexor. Hold the stretch for how long? That's the, the, the research is mixed on that. Um, yep. We're wanting to make sure we, we achieve a nice lengthened position. Um, we're not wanting to overstretch. That can result in some changes to the tissue that aren't always ideal. So we're looking at 15 to 20 seconds. Gone are the days of the two-minute stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, one more. Um, the calf. So given that we are aiming to keep that ankle relatively rigid, um, the calf can really get quite overloaded. So um, a lot of people have seen the stretch where you face the wall, pointing both in a split stance, so one foot's in front of the other, ensuring both toes are pointing directly at the wall. Do not let the back foot turn out. That's the error I see all the time. And it's keeping that back knee straight and feeling a lovely stretch right from down near the Achilles up towards the back of the knee. And a couple of repetitions. Yeah, if we're with that one, probably two repetitions of, on each side. And you can also manipulate that stretch by bending the, the stretching side because we have two primary drivers in that calf and one crosses the knee and one doesn't. And pre-ride and post-ride. The, um, the literature actually shows post-ride is the most effective for injury prevention and pre-ride we should be really looking at core body temperature elevation. So getting the blood pumping, increasing the respiratory rate and then that stretching is actually meant is post-activity. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. And so if someone's really interested in finding out a bit more about 
bike fit or comfort on the bicycle, is there a good resource for them or are they just going to have to find the right practitioner for them? Um, it's it's really difficult. It's a highly opinionated field. Um, there's masses of conflict in what some people believe is the right thing. There are a couple of good websites which you'll have to search around, but also pick and choose which information you take from those. I'd really certainly recommend finding a practitioner that works for you. They talk, they're able to relate to you, they're able to listen um, and go from there. And I guess if you get a recommendation, one way to filter them is to ask yourself, is the person recommending this riding the way I ride or doing the same sort of thing as me or, you know, are we very different and going to be looking for different priorities like you spoke about? Definitely. There's there's different types of feeders, hopefully we've touched on really lightly. And if the person telling you, oh, you've got to go see this individual because they were amazing for me and, and you ride your beautiful 5K commute every day that just makes your day <laughs> and that individual completes ultra-endurance riding, you don't have the same needs. No, no. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for that. Oh. No, I feel better already. <laughs> 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 oh, well, the, it is, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a physical exercise. People, um, sometimes people expect to be able to sit on a bike like an armchair and just pedal. Oh, you know, cosy lounge chair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably a little bit wrong. But and you, you can often do that for yes. short. You know, it, yeah. especially as a commuter or using your bike for transport around the city, yeah. you can get away with that for several. And then one day you decide to go a bit further, or with some different people, and suddenly yeah. everything that was fine. It's all about that accumulated load. Yeah. what your body can do yeah. for five minutes, it may not be able to do for twenty. No, yeah, no. Many thanks, Kat. Pleasure. Many thanks. Cats are from Rehub Studios, so that's great for any locals who do want to get some advice. But we'll also post some links with the podcast to uh, some other resources if we can uh, find them. And if you haven't kicked in for the subscription drive from last week, make sure you do. Donate. Donate. Make sure if you go to the webpage, mark the Yarrabug radio show for your preference. You can uh, donate at 3cr.org.au slash donate. And as Val said, put our name in there as a show you like to listen to and it will all go towards our tally. And uh, you can also call the station on 94198377 and uh, do make your pledge over the phone and your donation or SMS 3CR on 0488930855. And next up is Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.